Okay. All right, whenever you're ready. Yes. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of That Rounded Podcast. Today is a very special one also for me personally, because the boys from Rounded Germany are here, Marcel Halle and Philipp Pessel, and I have a very close relationship to them, actually, because also they are, um, yeah, I will see the head of the streaming team, and we had a lot of discussions. We were close in contact also streaming-wise, and we kind of had a long history together, so I'm very happy to see you both today in the podcast and Scotty Beaks is also ah, <laughs> <laughs> already drops the bird like hey no that's lovely but no Philip also welcome to the podcast I think first of all it'd be nice if you guys can a uh, little bit introduce yourselves and tell us what type of work you're currently doing around that journey before we get onto the episode yeah I think uh, I start uh, I'm Philip I'm 30 years old obviously from Germany um I was a founding member of, of Roundhead Germany uh and right now I'm, I'm in the board and mainly I'm responsible for the marketing and communication stuff. So most of the things you're seeing on all the social media platforms uh, is on me. Uh, I'm also doing doing the website and some other stuff like streaming. But yeah, I think that's that's enough for now. We'll get into more later. Yeah, I'm also a founding member. Yeah, that that, that sounds nice. Um, yeah, and also a second chairman. Um, the first chairman is Niels. I'm the second one. Um, mainly, I cannot actually say what I'm doing mainly. I'm doing a lot of certain things. Um, yeah, streaming also, as, as Philip mentioned, is one of the things. Also a little bit of social media, but not as much as uh, Philip does because that's mainly his part. Um, and also just the things that you have to do as a federation. Maybe we can talk about that later. It's like different things. But yeah, streaming, social media, a little bit. A podcast also. We have a podcast that is in German, so for all the listeners who are able to to speak and understand uh, some German, you can also uh, watch out for our podcast uh, for mainly the German-specific Rona topics. Nice, nice early plug, I like that. Uh, but I think uh, I'll talk about a lot of the audience right now and already thinking, wait, like, this is slightly going over some people because, again, we're in a Roundup perspective, right? We're still having some countries that have never played Roundup, some countries that, you know, maybe haven't even started a federation, become, you know, a legitimate, uh, yeah, community in regards to several hundred members, 15, 20 people knocking up in a park, you know, as it all goes. Um, so, first of all, when you guys are going into the details of, yeah, marketing, social media, and the streaming team, a lot of communities will be wondering how you guys got there. So, I think a really nice way is we start scratch. When did you guys first get involved with the Roundnet Germany? And when did Roundnet Germany really start as a federation? I think I started, uh, I, I played Roundnet for the first time in 2016. Uh, at this time, I was uh, studying at the German Sports University and I saw some friends of mine uh, jumping around this little trampoline uh, thing uh, in the park and I joined them. Uh, and I was so hooked that I participated in my first tournament, I think two weeks later, and I got crushed. But it was great fun. Uh, and then afterwards, I, I had like one year of a pause, then got involved into the local club and uh, to the first round at Club Cologne. And then in, I think, late 2019, I think, uh, Nils Wim and Lukas Schmandra, who were, all, were already involved in the run at Germany thing, asked me and Marcel to join them. And then we founded the federation in summer 2020. So during COVID, right? Yeah, during COVID. We were like, okay. We were, we would like, or well, we wanted to do this. Now we have the time for it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it goes in Marcel. So you obviously joined Philip also then in 2019, right? Yeah. Yeah. So mainly, so the beginning was actually Lucas and Niels. So they started, I don't know, even 2017, even I think. So they realized, okay, we got the sport that is 
kind of growing. People are starting to play, but we don't really have any structure. So the tournaments, if you will call the tournaments, it was maybe even meetings and they they play with like six teams, but it started to become tournaments. And I think it was Facebook groups, Facebook events back then. There was no really structure where you could look up, a pl like a platform where you could look up tournaments or something or uh, stuff like that. So they began to to kind of build a structure they started as a company but then yeah, as philip said during COVID, we realized okay companies not really the best way to do it we have to do it in a different way and yeah start a federation and get all the yeah the res re registrations going on and stuff like that that you need especially in germany uh, which uh, yeah, is always a different uh, thing and a challenge um so yeah the company was yeah then yeah not the, the best idea about the The federation was so we built it that three years ago and yeah from that on it got bigger and bigger so three years ago actually three years ago 2020 yeah okay so when you started the federation 2019 you guys both joined the board so run me back to 2019 how many of you guys were on the board and how many in a broad sense were there players actively playing in uh, germany at the time so i think so, so it was Lucas and Niels, then Philip and I joined and also Clement. So we were five people. It wasn't really a board because, I mean, it was a company. So there was like two owners of the company, which were Lucas and, and Niels and Clements, Philip and I, we were actually yeah, yeah. members of, of the company. <laughs> so yeah, on, on paper, we were actually employees of, of that company, which was technically not true, but on paper, um, whatever. Um, so back then, I think I would say in Germany, maybe... 300 to 500 people played on a regular basis, but not in tournaments. I would say that's that's another thing. I think most of the tournaments had like 30 to 40 teams, maybe that were like the bigger tournaments. And but then during COVID, of course, there was a little pause. But after that, it kind of escalated quickly. I would say, <laughs> considering the numbers of of teams, and we got to tournaments with hundred uh, teams, hundreds of teams. So yeah, that got on quite fast. But Philip, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think there were there were more players. So we had uh, in September 2019, we had the European Championship in Cologne, uh, which uh, Marcel and I were part of the organizational team. And we had, I think, 2000, they had 230 teams uh, on two days playing there, mostly from Germany. So I think there were more. There was one big tournament, indoor tournament in Cologne, which was happening every year. There were 60 to 70 teams, so a little bit more. And at that time, Germany was, I think, by far the country with the most players in Europe. Maybe it is still today, uh, but there were good structures because people were founding clubs and so on. So the, the, the Cologne Club was founded in 2006. So two questions <laughs> following up to that. So, sorry, Top, just going to ask quickly. Why uh, do you think Germany had such a big player pool so early on? before we we're already talking in 2017 18 19 as you guys were joining the you know round in germany how did you guys already have such a long i think that's a question we're asking ourselves sometimes uh but <laughs> um in in germany the the sport spread it through the universities and uh talking about cologne uh which is it has the biggest sports university in the whole of europe and it started there and there were many young people liking to do new stuff being competitive so many people were there and then the sports the uh, sports people are connected and went to other uh, universities so i think it's like that and germans are are like to organize things so the clubs were there there were many people willing to organize tournaments and i think that set a 
the structure very well. Maybe you can add something, Marcel. No, I, I don't actually have to add anything. I mean, that's that's what Philip said. I think the the first wave of players came from France, actually, because there's like this surf camp um, where people from Germany are always going and seniors. And they are, I think some people took the set there and then from there it's better Germany and then started from Cologne um, through all the um, yeah, university cities mainly. So university is really the point. Um, yeah, that's, that's the reason mainly, I think. And also Germans, yeah, like most, the, the most people in Europe are Germans, or like we're the, the nation with the most people. So it also makes sense that we have a lot of players. A yeah, quick question about Cologne. Do you think like Cologne was, I don't know which club was first. Was it Cologne club, the first rounded club in, in Germany? No? Which one was it? Do you know? Uh, I think technically it was Munich. Um, and after that, it was Neustadt, which is quite in the north. Um, but I think Cologne was third. Yeah, but Munich, the club, which was the first, doesn't exist anymore. So they canceled it and the Munich community, which is around now, was founded, I think, in 2019 or something or 20. Interesting. Okay. And yeah. Um, and so you got involved first with the Cologne uh, community and then you built up the round Germany structure kind of. Um, so this sounds like a lot of things happened actually in Cologne at the time, like starting club and then just after a few years, starting also this bigger picture of Ronald Germany, is that correct? Yeah, you could you could say so. I mean, that that's usually the case. I mean, um, if you start a stuff like that or a thing like this, you have to have a close relationship with the people doing so. And that made, made sense in a way that uh, those five guys that we were back then used to live in the same city. So we could meet up easily and talk about stuff. And of course... During COVID, you, you, we realized that we can also have like talks like in Zoom or stuff like that. But I mean, building up something like this is way easier if you're in the same city. So that kind of made sense. Yeah. And we were all studying sports. We were all involved in clubs or even boards in other clubs beforehand. So we had a little bit of a head start because we know we knew how things are working in a club. So that's I think that's what it was. But in the first place uh, when we when we founded uh, around Germany were seven people obviously all from Cologne and we got some critics about this because it was like okay this German thing they're all Cologne people but we were always communicating it's the start and when people from other communities want to join we are more than happy to welcome them and now the board is uh, yeah not only Cologne guys mostly Cologne guys but uh, but not only mm. not only yeah it's important yeah Taking me back slightly to um, to when you had a big pool of players in 2019 when you both joined, we both joined around at Germany. And you said that, again, it was likely that a few years before that, some players were heading to France, coming back, bringing sets with them and spread a little bit across Germany. Munich, Neustadt, is that correct? Um, and of course, Cologne. I um, And you, you then mentioned that it spread through universities because, of course, sports science, many active players sort of interested in starting a new sport and playing competitively. How was this set up that it spread through universe somewhat quickly, I guess? Was this somebody sort of leading this charge in regards to trying to get it to universities in certain cities? Or was it just a natural spread of people played it, then just thought it was a good idea to spread to you? It's a, that's a tough question, honestly. I think it was always in every city there were like one or two people who actually saw the sport somewhere, started playing by themselves, took a couple other people to the park, and then they went to the university and kind of did a course. So usually at the university you have different courses, so you can play football or volleyball or whatever. And 
one of those guys thought, okay, it would also be nice to have a course at the university sports. So maybe I could be the teacher teaching other people to play around it. Not on a professional level, obviously, but get people to get to know the sport. And that's actually what I think happened at a lot of universities at the same time, like 20, 30 universities at the same time where you had like those courses and there were like 20, 25 people playing on the course. And then they took the set to the park and told them, their friends, okay, hey, I saw this game. I went to the university course and played around it. It's amazing. Let's check it out. And then it's kind of a normal spread, a snowball effect in a way, I guess. Yeah, sure. I mean, it just interests me. I think um, a lot of NGBs, national governing bodies in Europe and even outside of Europe, are, uh, you know, some of them might even still be in that position now where they're, they're looking for how is the best way can they get a huge amount of people to start playing the sport. It sounds like you guys got that somewhat without even needing to push people. People just, you know, got the sport, took it in universities, spread it to the masses. And then by the time you guys were already on or in around in Germany, you were... You had, you know, several hundred people to work with and had decent starting point, a good base. Um, you know, some some countries are striving for that base now. Just very interesting to me to hear and know now that it's so cool that you've had, had such an incredible, you know, naturally made base to begin with uh, back in 2009 before even, you know, around and blown up in Europe and that defined blown up as several other countries creating NGBs. I mean, I think we're still before the blow up period in round it, but somewhat blew up, right? Um, yeah, I would actually, I would actually add that not only university is a good good thing to to catch up to, or I would actually say that schools is one thing that most of the NGBs are underestimating. Um, that the invest that you can put in quite early, so go into the schools or give, try to get schools to to play around it in their time. And if you invest that early into those kids, I mean, kids they they love to to try out new. <clears throat> so in new stuff and um, new sports. So that's also one thing that I think NGBs could invest more. We could also invest more as well in Germany, honestly. But um, so yeah, as as said, the the universities, but also schools. I think that's that's another point. Yeah. Um. So we jumped on. Well, we've gone through a little bit. 2019, when you guys both been joined around in Germany. 2019. You guys then applied to become a federation. Sorry, 2020, you guys then joined, then applied and became a federation. What were your then next steps? What you guys are now been on, been on round, been with Round of Germany for one year. What did you guys have as a bigger picture, a bigger goal? Did you guys have something in mind that you envisioned, or would you guys just take sort of step by step, especially given the COVID era? I think even before we started the the federation, um, it was a big goal to create some kind of a platform where everything related to Roundnet in Germany is. And that's basically what the Roundnet player zone is today. So all the features we have now, we couldn't imagine in 2020, but the first place was, okay, how can we create ranking system everybody can look at? How can we make a calendar where every tournament is? So if you have a person who is invested in Roundnet, we can tell them, go there, you find everything there and build this as a, as a center point of the forerunner in Germany. And that's what we started, I think, in, in March or April 2020. So when COVID hit really bad. Um, then we had this, uh, thanks to to Martin Lang, uh, our unbelievable uh, IT guy in the back. I w I'm always telling them that one time I have to build a statue for a statue for him, what he's doing. Amazing, but that's another point. Um, and yeah, and then our goal was to implement Roundnet in the German sports system, and it still is. So we're doing everything with the clubs and the memberships 
to make it a real sport, which is accepted by the by the German uh, Olympic um, Federation and so on. So it's a long, long way, a very long way. But uh, yeah, that's what we started with. And then everybody around it evolved. More people got uh, in there. So I think we have 20 or 30 volunteers only in Germany working on several departments as tournament school and so on. So it developed very well because we had so many people in Germany who were willing to invest their time voluntarily to make the sport bigger. That's a very good uh, point that I want to uh, also point out. You guys are involved, obviously, from the start with Run Germany. And for like, I'm also involved in the in the local club here in Graz. And I would like to know from you guys, how much hours do you spend on a weekly basis for, for Run Germany? Because I know how much work it is to do this community around um, work. And there's a lot of discussions, a lot of things you need to handle. And so I would love to hear how much time you invest for this. Um, if, I, if I look at Philip, I can imagine how high his number might be because at some point, I think it's it's almost a full-time job that he's doing. I don't know. He's he's actually having a full-time job, but in my opinion, he has two full-time jobs. Um, I, I would actually say the normal week would be five to 10 hours. It can also be like 15, 20 hours, but it can also be a week of less than five hours. It always depends. But my... Yeah, my tasks that I have are a little bit different than than other ones. And Philip, yeah, is the social media guy, and he's investing so much time in that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm. Let's check what he says. I would say forty <laughs> hours, but uh, yeah. Uh, how do I start there? Uh, I think <laughs> if you ask if you ask me, I would say it's about twenty hours a week. If you ask my girlfriend, she'd say thirty hours in a week, and I think. It's, more like that what she's uh, saying so if i ever tell you it's 20 hours i'm not including tournament weekends to be honest so if i'm like going to to the keel masters next weekend uh, and um, i'm leaving friday afternoon uh, and being back in the night from from sunday to monday this is not included into this 20 hours so that that's basically it but it's really fun and i think i'm, I'm doing it and i think i speak for all of us not only for around in Germany, but also for you guys. We're doing it because we see the development around it and we see some potential in there. So you can create something, you can lead it somewhere you would like a sport to be. So that's that's how these numbers are there. Yeah, I see that. And how is it like, um, I know it's all volunteers around the Germany, am I right? Yeah. Uh, how does it work for you? Because I, by myself, know in the community, you have a lot of people that can involved really quick, but also you have sometimes people that are highly involved, but suddenly they break away. Because of course, volunteers work means you not getting paid for it. And you have only, let's say you're, yeah, you want to join this, you want to help, but also you are not like in a contract or something. So people can just um, be away from the community or they never been seen again does that is it a big thing also for the federation or is it just do you have a very solid team both i i would actually say that we have the same problems i mean voluntary work as you say is something you have to have the intrinsic motivation you don't get anything from the outside yeah maybe you get to thank you but you don't get any money um often people always complain sometimes um but yeah, you have to have the intrinsic motivation. And of course, we had some cases where people 
said, okay, I want to work for you. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. And we'd be like, okay, yeah, go on, let's go. And after two, three months, they just drop out, out of nowhere without saying anything, no notice, no explanation. And then we would go after and be like, hey, what up? And yeah, then we would realize, okay, they're just not motivated at all, not on a long term. And that's okay also, because I mean, voluntary work, you cannot say anything against it. If somebody does that doesn't want to invest the, the time that they have, that's totally okay. But for me, it's always a pain if somebody's not able to just say that. I mean, you can just say that. And the worst cases were always the cases where we had to go after them for a couple of months and then realize, okay, they just don't want to do it anymore. And we could have avoided that if they would just say, okay, I cannot invest the time, which is totally okay. But yeah. besides that, we have a great team of people who actually sought it for two, three, four years. So we have, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 people who have been there for two or three years now and are just amazing. So tell me a little bit in regards to you guys, you started as five people back in 2020, you started as a federator, and now you said you're a team of around 30 volunteers. So was that just a consistent graduate growth in regards to volunteers? And how did you guys identify people to work in certain areas? They're like, oh, you know what? Now I really want to build our streaming team. And now, hey, we're going to open positions and sort of go out and hire people similar to, you know, a job. Or was it like um, somebody coming up and just saying, hey, I have, I can stream a little bit from time to time. I, I might be good. And then they, you said, oh, well, there's a place for you then. And you grew that way. How, how did you guys go about growing your team to what it is today? I have to go. Philip was pointing at me. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah. So, so basically, I think first we thought about the structure as a federation itself. So what departments of Roundnet make sense? So what departments of, of teams or what teams can be built um so we figured there are tournament league marketing um, stuff that that philip always also mentioned already um and then we asked people i mean we asked people that we knew already who were invested in the community in the local communities but of course we also kind of just published an advertisement kind of like hey guys we are looking for people for this apartment for this department um do you want to apply just basic information about what we think are the tasks of this department but not really yeah focused on that they could also be like okay different different tasks but yeah then a lot of people reached out surprisingly a lot of people reached out before that we were like okay well if we get like one or two people for each department that would be awesome but at some point we got four or five six people for a department which was just amazing because people were so motivated to put their effort that they already had for the local communities into the whole of Germany, which is just a great idea to yeah increase the the amount of of yeah reach that you have for your work. Uh, and Philip can add anything he wants. Yeah. Then yeah, I, it's really 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 cool to hear. I think that again, that's the way, and I think many other NGBs are following in that direction too. But though sometimes again, I think I think you guys were surprised by the amount of people that potentially reached out. I think I think other people will be surprised by the amount of people reach out or who would reach out. Um, and participate or show interest in something like that. You just never really know until we put it out there. Um, yeah, you guys got very <clears throat> positively surprised, which is yeah, always a good thing in the round. I would say, uh, to put it now into perspective, how many active players are you guys around today in regards to Roundnet Germany, in regards to clubs and registered players? I think we have to differentiate a little bit. So just talking about members of Roundnet Germany, the, the federation we have, almost 900 people and 26 clubs, I think. Uh, yeah, Marcel is a, a thumbs up. 
Um, so that are the people who are registered in the in the federation. Um, but those aren't all people which are out there. So I'm just looking it up in the in the player zone because we can see how many people played tournaments this year. So I'm talking about women. There were about 540 different players who played the tournament in this year of 2023. And for the men's, I have to wait because it's loading. There were obviously more. And um, it's only July 31st, the day of recording. Yeah, Still that's it. Road. So there were 1,100 men. Um, and those are only the people who were competitive in the round in the Germany system. There are many people like doing local tournaments, doing a, a championship of the city. Um, those are people we don't even know about. So I'd say just put a number out there 3000 4000 competitive competitive-ish players are there in germany not including all the park players who are just playing it with a beer in his hands but know about the sports yeah and and here's the interesting question or subjective interesting right you might not think it's interesting <laughs> um those then park players that you um you know categorize them under do you think that's larger than the group of competitive players within Germany and how much larger do you think it is? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's far larger. Um, if you if you just go to Cologne or Hamburg and you go to parks, you see so many sets, especially in the summer, and you have a lot of potential of people playing the sports, but maybe not even recognizing it as, as a sport. I don't know. Yeah. Sounds, sounds strange, but they're just doing it for, for fun. They don't see, even see the, the sport in it. And I would actually say it's five times, ten times as many people as actually playing in an organized way. I feel like that's the same thing in Austria too. We have uh, a few members of of, uh, around Austria and also local clubs, but like in the parks you see so many people and you won't reach them, but you see a lot of them like actually playing just for fun in the park because it's so easy to pick up. So so then now you have this perfect uh, website in place or somewhat perfect on its way to becoming of course that you guys envisioned back in 2020 of being the main the main way to funnel those park players then into competitive scene has this up has this website changed a huge amount since 2020 or do you have any more visions for it in the future to help continue to funnel those park players in it so the core features are the same so there's a calendar there's uh you are able to sign up for tournaments in the player zone. So this wasn't there in the first place, but there were so many things developed around this. So you are able to swipe your tournament partner. So it's pretty much like RoundNet Tinder. You can sign up and you can swipe them and find the the next person you are playing with. You have uh, a partner search there. You can do couch surfing there. You have obviously the rankings. So I think there's so many things we cannot imagine now which will follow because we have so many ideas for me personally speaking the next big thing on the player zone could be statistics for the bigger picture to be able to tell stories to make roundnet even more attractive to sports interested people who are not invested into roundnet so um it's it's crazy what the player zone can already do uh and i think it will get crazier from now on and I don't, and I don't, to, to add something, I don't actually know if getting all the park players to play on a organized level is really the key or is necessarily that what we need. Because if you look at football or soccer, um, you have so many people playing 
somewhere in the park also. That's also, I think, the, the higher number of people playing football are playing in the park, not on an organized way. And you still have so many people playing in an organized way. So I think it's like a pyramid, I guess. And you have to have the base. And the base can be unattended. So it can be, okay, nobody really actually gets them to play in an organized way, but still they are there. And if only one out of two people from the park go into a club or an organized training, we have something that we can build up on. And yeah, so maybe some people we will, we will not get because they don't want to play around it in an organized way. But I mean, as many people as we get, that's the, that's the aim. Yeah, yeah, it's a very fair point to be honest. Um, so I got, I just have one more question because I think also we have a lot of listeners all over the world, basically. And so you guys are already so much invested in this whole round of Germany a structure and you know a lot about the history and how everything came together. So when there is a new NGB that is building up now, what would you say they should focus on? Like, do you have certain points where you learned from and can tell people, hey, this is something we kind of overlooked and it would be easier if you have an eye on it already. I think talking about Germany, bureaucracy is terrible. So I think we found that the uh, federation in summer 2020 and we were only able to do the memberships for everybody out there, I think in March 2021. So it took us eight months, not because we weren't ready, but because the whole German structure wasn't ready. We were waiting for, for them to get the bank account and so on. So I can't tell if it's something the same in other countries, but if it is, start early and plan to get stopped by the by uh, by the public. Um, I think that's a point. And yeah, I would so actually to... I would I would actually assume that that's mainly a German problem. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, how that is in other countries. But yeah, that that is one thing that if you want to do it right, you have to invest time, and it is not as quick as you think it will be. You think, okay, I'm gonna just build a foundation and yeah, yeah, get a federation in like a couple of weeks. No, you have to really think about it. Um, especially with memberships. So if you really put it on solid ground, you have to invest weeks and months and really a lot of conversations and talks to certain people. And that's just annoying. And at some point you want to quit and you just want to know it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, that's that's one thing that I can only tell people that, yeah, you have to have a big team with a lot of patience. And also, and also adding, if you want, the people to some kind follow you you need to be there and let the people know that you are willing to do it for them that you are not doing it for yourself so that's where doing bylaws some kind for us it's very important to make it uh, on a democratic basis because if we are doing our stuff and all the people are out there thinking oh what what are the guys doing there i won't get a membership this leads to nothing and this whole project is is that in a year or something so you always have to be there and be a nice person and do it for the other people instead of yourself and then people will follow you join you get in there with their voluntary work and everybody gets big uh, everything gets bigger i i uh yeah from 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 all people in this uh, room right now this podcast understanding the uh hours of fitting in behind closed doors but i will highlight and just say You've generally discussed some of the biggest problems you've encountered there. 
um, mainly potentially just German problem. But what were sort of the some of the couple of biggest uh, breaks that you guys made? Obviously, discussed the um, discussed the website that you guys created in 2020. Uh, we discussed the you know growth of the team. Was there any other big standout moment you guys? The now federation, you guys yeah, just really projected you guys in the direction to go is around in Germany, or is that still yet to come? Like you know, maybe it's something in six months that might be that breakthrough or massive, uh, massive uh, miles. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's, that, 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 yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Also, I, I I don't actually think there was this one moment or like a day or a week or something that really changed everything. It was kind of a progress. I think there was like many little steps. I would say, um, yeah, like like different tournaments. They were just like amazing because they were so big and so mind blowing. Um, yeah, also investing into different ideas like the league for example i think um, building up the the german national league was kind of a thing that really got things going in a way but it's not something that you have uh, that you do and then one week after you have like double the amount of members or something it's not working that way but on the long term i think um, there were like many little things but not like this one moment but maybe philip has something in mind i don't know i wanted to talk about the the german round that league or the, the Bundesliga, uh, I think uh, you like to pronounce it, right? Um, it's it's a pretty big milestone, I think, for us in Germany because last year there were around 1,400 people playing in this league over the winter, which is normally the time where people are not playing Routnet because it's not outside. So we were able to get so many people involved there and not letting Routnet die over the six months, but letting them play on a competitive basis at least once a month and we also got the story of many people who were part players before and were playing in the league in the first place because it's a squad tournament just like euros or something or, or worlds and they joined their friends and then they played once a, once a month and afterwards they were tournament players in the summer so comparing this to to other europe uh, european or worldwide organizations i think this is a very unique thing and we implemented very early but we also have the structure in Germany. I think it was talking to, uh, to Gavin about this. Um, if you're a club in Germany in the in the official way, you are able to get a gym for free without paying any fees, which is, I think, crazy for the most other people. Right. That's also another point why you found the club, which making it official in Germany because you're profiting uh, uh, their profits from the structure in Germany. That's massive. That's really massive. Also for the fields and for tournaments, it's just really good. But I think you have to uh, be early on registrations and um, then have the spot for you. Yeah, most, mostly uh, if you call the call the city and tell them, oh, we want to do a tournament on the on the artificial turf in three months. They're saying, oh yeah, there's a German uh, soccer play, uh, team playing in the 11th division so they they can play there instead of you doing the european championship but over the years if you're talking to them often they will recognize you they will recognize that it's a real sport it's a process yeah yeah so um a little yeah sorry i was just gonna say a little uh sort of recap on some of the numbers that you guys have thrown out you told us that again 2019 you guys both joined around in germany 2020 you guys then uh became a federation and launched the website we're now in 2023 and you guys have you know over one and a half thousand active members of both male and female that have played in around its tournament just 2023 and then you know several other thousands that are playing non-competitively or competitively but not played at a tournament 
and you have 26 clubs across uh, across the whole of Germany. When was it that you started the Bundesliga? Um, because if I'm correct, you don't just have the Bundesliga 1, you also have a Bundesliga 2 and maybe a Bundesliga 3. My mind isn't, or my, my memory isn't perfect. Yeah, um, so we have 26 clubs being members of around Germany. I think I assume there are around 40 or 50 in the whole of Germany. Not all of them are members. Um, yeah, the, the German Round and League started in, in 2019, 2020. Um, it started, there were about 500 players back then, and we couldn't finish it because of COVID, obviously. So that's where Niels and Lukas mostly had the idea and told us, okay, let's do the squad format. It's working. Um, then the year after, we started the registrations, but couldn't start the league because of COVID. So there was a, a buy year or so. Um, and then in, in 21, 22, we had this some kind of, we, we divided it, it into a pro league and a fun league, I think. So you could sign up wherever you wanted. We had about 900 players in there. And then we implemented the, the structure of the first Bundesliga, the second Bundesliga and the Regionalliga, which is the regional league, um, only in the, la uh, the last year in 2022, 2023. Uh, and from now on, we see where it gets us. I think uh, in, in a few days we will publish some kind of uh, agenda 2025. So our department has very big plans there. But to finish it, and then Masai can add something, uh, the first Bundesliga and also naming it like this and making it a competitive sport thing was the best thing we could do because it's also in the media out there and the people are recognizing around it as a sport. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Marcel, go and add on. Add on. Yeah. yeah. I just just chat. As Philip already mentioned, it kind of closed the gap that we felt was was there in the winter, especially because, of course, in the winter you have some tournaments indoor, but not as many in the sum as in the summer, obviously, and also not as big because uh, the indoor halls are not not that big, and it kind of it closed the gap, and we felt that it even pushed a lot, um, especially as Philip mentioned, the park players. So the the regional league is kind of a intermediate first timer league, I would say. So because it's like regional based, you play against communities that you may even know because it's like the, the next city or something. And it's kind of a relaxed way to have the first step into the organized sport, not playing a tournament like a whole day. And I don't know, end up last place or something like that, but play with different people. And it's like, a, it's a game day. Okay. Even if you lose, it's still fun and you drink a beer afterwards. I don't know. So that also kind of pushed a lot of park players to play uh, for the first time and for the professionals also if you have the first Bundesliga which has a certain value uh, I think that also um, yeah increased a lot in the motivation of the players uh, for the winter and one second I just uh, realized we also have a lot of US people listening can you briefly explain how the Bundesliga system for us for you guys work because it's um, you have play days where you join in one city just very brief overview maybe yeah from I can one do of that. guys I can, I can do it <laughs> so we have uh, yeah <laughs> that, that's where Philip and I don't really have, we have to, to think about who's answering so we have in the Bundesliga first league we have 16 teams so we have um, they play each other once uh, for, for the first round or the yeah I actually don't know what that is in English. Um, and they meet up with four teams in one city. So they play three games. Um, and then one month after, so once a month, they, they meet three other teams. So after, I think, four game days or 
five? Are we at five now? I think five. Yeah, at five after five game days, you have all the fifteen teams uh, played, and then you have yeah, of course, you see who's first, who's uh, second, whatever, and then we will have. Um, I think last time we had a final eight, but now we will have a final six, so we will kind of have playoffs for the actual title of the yeah Bundesliga champion. And you will also have three teams that go down to the third, uh, the second league. So, yeah, I think to start one step before it, it's a squad tournament or it's a squad championship. So a team or a squad has to consist of at least four men and two women because against the other team, you are playing two men's games, two mixed games and one women's game. So you have to have your whole roster. You can put in there more but at least six people have to play there and you have to yeah tell them okay this game day you are playing you are going to Kiel or Berlin or Munich and playing there so it's uh, this the squad feeling it's not only like mostly in in the, in the run of tournaments it's you and your partner against two other people but this whole feeling of cheering cheering for your club I think everybody who was at Worlds uh, experienced how good this is and that's where we're doing it at, uh, at Euros and don't know where else. Okay, thank you. Um, just, um, sorry, Scott, uh, I think we probably moved to the same point. Uh, we're talking about Euros and Worlds, and uh, I know there's a interesting, or very different uh, setup how you guys doing uh, the search for, for the players who will get nominated from the, from the Federation. Can you briefly explain how this works in Germany? Because I... I know that you have, yeah, ju just a very brief overview of how you choose the players. I think Marcel is the perfect partner because he just recently, one hour ago, recorded a podcast with all, one of our national coaches. So he's the best person to talk to. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we just presented the national squad. So we did that on, on social media as well on Friday, but also did a podcast episode on that. Um, yeah, so we actually tried to, yeah, optimized the the system that we had for worlds so for worlds we had five uh, national coaches who actually uh, who were in charge of of choosing who will play the worlds and we kind of developed that further and now we got three people who were actually having different tasks now it was more of a structure thing but we have three people who are yeah leading um yeah the national team and they kind of yeah try to find the best way to to think about who will play for for germany it was kind of a different approach for before worlds we had kind of like camps where we actually were looking at the players now we didn't do that because of time issues also so they mainly check the results so try to objectify the the process a little bit more and before that for worlds it was more of a subjective thing um yeah and so they they kind of thought about okay who can actually play but then we also had the players applying for the for euros themselves so we actually didn't know who would come before so you don't really know if somebody's actually able to fly to to italy so they kind of applied in different uh, constellations so they yeah kind of team a team b whatever so one player could actually apply with different other players and then those uh, three people decided which teams are actually the best team combinations to go to euros so that may be adding something if i missed perfectly excellent okay so this time i i know for waltz it was also I think people applied as a single person and then the trainers put together the teams, right? Yeah, yeah for Worlds, that was different, yeah. For Worlds, they also had to reach some 
uh, I think they had to reach the podium in some specific tournaments to be able to get an invitation to the to the camp. Then they were at the camp, and afterwards the people decided on single players, and also did I think we had two team combinations who haven't played before, so maybe it's kind of strange. But uh, I think if you look back, uh, it worked out good for us. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And in regards to the national, <clears throat> excuse me, in regards to the national team, and now you, we have force of the Euros 2023 and Worlds 2024. Do you guys have any ambitions as a, a national governing body in regards to goals, or are you very much focusing on building the structure and then seeing what will be will be? Um, or do you guys uh, have a have a, a personal goal uh, in mind for the national team in regards to the world stage, even the European stages? I think it's it's pretty tough as a board to just set up goals for other people to reach them. So I I'm not I'm not playing on that level by far. So I I cannot actually say okay you have to be first at worlds or whatever at yours. Um, I don't think that it's working that way. We as a board, I think we are there to set up the structure for them to perform as good as possible and how the performance will be in the end that, that they are doing but our doing is to to help them reach the full potential and that's what we're doing so I think building up the structure with the national team and also the coaches and thinking about okay how we can we do it um, over the whole year not only the the event itself so it's not only event based but we want to have a national team that is there in some kind over the whole year where we have like trainings for example or stuff like that um, that's something that we can do and for the certain events or the particular events we can just hope that they perform in the way that they can because i think the potential is there and yeah if we talk about specific goals for euros i think philip can maybe say something about that because i don't want to do that yeah uh yeah i think so we saw how worlds went um and in in both women's and, and men's division uh the the german squads finished as the best european team i think it's not big of a surprise if I, as a personal view, say that the girl, uh, that the goal for Germany at Euros should be to win the championship. I know that there are different nations out there, France, Belgium, Austria, uh, you name them, that they are also out there and they develop so much. But just taking world's results, it's not a big deal. I think maybe you can you can tell something about this, uh, Thomas and Scott. That's the one for, for Euros. And for Worlds, I think at, at the women's level, we saw that the gap between USA and Germany and also Europe wasn't as big as in the men's division. So maybe it's easier to close this gap in the women's division. But yeah, first for Worlds, and then we do another podcast on, on Worlds uh, one year time. If you have strong opinions about this, everybody who listens, you can shoot a message directly to Philip and uh, <laughs> have a little bit of hate speech in there. No, just kidding. Just message around the Germany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but all Germany on Instagram. Yeah, but honestly, I mean, if 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 we would stand here and be like, okay, um, maybe place five would be okay. Of course, you can say that, but as Philip says, I mean, we are like the biggest country in Europe. Also, just considering the people and also the quality is very very high. So of course, the goal is to play for the championship. I mean, if we don't get it, that's also okay because, as Philip says, we have so many good teams from from other countries as well. If you look at Austria, for example. They are so much smaller as a country, but they have so many good players, which is such a surprise to me because I think, okay, we have so many players because we're so many people and we have good players because we're so many people. But Austria is such a little country in comparison to Germany, but still the quality is so high and it's just amazing to me. So, of course, at US, if you have just three teams each, 
uh, so girls and and boys that's not that many teams so the the quality is the the most important thing and not the quantity and that's something where every other country can beat another country i think i think for the long term it's also very important that you have such a good structure that will always help good teams to come on and have a good competition in your own country and they don't have to travel that much but then they also can compete on the local level which is obviously bringing top team uh, in just an amount of time you know you just have to wait there will be more people and I think also Jonathan um, like he's I think 18 17 18 I see always on his on his Instagram channel um, the crazy cut serves I mean in a few years we're gonna see him on a European level acing everybody <laughs> so yeah that's a perfect uh, structure also to to for him to to grow as a as a yeah as a player and and have all have a massive impact on the sport in a few years and that's what yeah. you're preparing for him basically yeah we have a few or, or some more of these young guns which looking very scary to me but uh, let's talk <laughs> about that in, in one year time so in our men's squad we have lucas cristiani nobody knew him in the german scene one year ago and then he skyrocketed to all the tournaments and now he's a national player just one year time because he's putting so much time in there he's so talented and around that you are still able to do this let's say even in germany where there are so many people if you are yeah. talented and you put one year in there you can be a national player just tell me spoiled where this is possible indeed yeah it's, uh, it's definitely not very possible we talked about it before tops mike and gavin before on the podcast about You know, 10,000 hours being that elite threshold, uh, be elite at any sport. Curling, it'd be somewhere around 6,000. Soccer, be somewhere around 10,000 hours. Either way, there's usually a threshold to reach the top 1% of the sport. Definitely not lowering around it right now. And we see that increase, but it's interesting to see how long that will stay, uh, you know, a somewhat of a threshold where one hour, one year of the, you know, high level work and effort top in a sport because again like like you know guys may not many other sports that allows you yeah and and in regards to your points uh yeah i don't disagree that germany will from the outside perspective have somewhat expectation on them to uh perform very well at the euros and likely uh be definitely on the podium if not winning it all with the again the consistency or quality and quantity they have uh in the squad um, and then also at Worlds next year, I think a lot of people were hoping, also from a European perspective, you know, Euros, everyone's against each other this uh, this year. But I think also next year, it's a little bit more Europe versus North America. And I think a lot of the Europeans are cheering each other on to try and keep on pushing those uh, yeah skill level gaps, as you mentioned earlier, between the men's and side in Europe. Um, I want to just round off. Uh, this episode we've been going quite a while now um i want to round off this episode in uh we discussed a lot of things uh throughout this episode such as the websites as federations as the league system such as not all the clubs that are uh, uh present in roundnet germany are actually active clubs or registered to roundnet germany only 26 of the around 50 clubs you have um i uh just want to emphasize in saying or ask you also Because when you put the hours into something, such as creating a league system, you know, once you have the structure and the league system in place, you know, now it's just hours to build on it and, uh, you know, and somewhat contain it. But it's the innovative idea and thought of actually building it, which is usually the very rare thought that comes across. So you're obviously very talented on the board to come across these ideas as the website you did as a base, as a home base for everyone. Like, Is it these ideas that are coming from the board, yourselves, other people? Like, 
because again, these innovative ideas, it's, it's these things that usually, you know, set the ball rolling, that start the snowball effect. The snowball, once the snowball is rolling, like the league system or the website, it then becomes much easier. But it's the initial, yeah, snowball itself. Where are these uh, ideas and innovative, innovative ideas coming? That's that's pretty hard to say. I would actually say I don't know, like eighty to ninety percent were actually from inside. So like one of us actually thought about that and then of course we get some messages from people who have great ideas also and then we kind of pick up on them and then think, think them through and ask ourselves if that's something that we can do or want to do but i think most of the ideas like the platform and a lot of functions of the platform came from maybe like seven eight different people who are actually also at some point were kind of members of the board or something we are also we're talking to the people on tournaments who are present and I think our goal or our uh, our task is to talk to the people and know what the community wants because we are in the position to implement. Um, so they don't have to be in the board to implement it. They basically can tell us if we think it's good, we, we will implement it. Um, for me, the, the league is some kind of a role model or a best practice because as mentioned, we from the board implemented this process of squad but the idea to make it the first Bundesliga and the second Bundesliga and the Regionalliga came from the department of the league who were organizing it the year before so they were involved pretty much and they saw okay we have to do something better they went to us as a board told us this is a good idea do you think also we would like to do this and then we approved it because it's a, such a great idea and in this place I just want to leave a shout out to to Maxi Lauber who's also involved in the International Roundhead Federation who is the leader of our league department and what he has done in the last one and a half or two years nothing short of him no, I, yeah I appreciate that no, it's nice to hear this collective input from several within Germany get it such a good structure and have these ideas that you're now implementing today's team um, yeah, unless anyone or tops, you have any more questions or thoughts you guys want to discuss um, or anything you would like to shout out, sort of the floor is yours, guys, if you want to let, yeah, reach out and the platform again and uh, your Instagram, let people know where you keep updated with around at Germany. Yeah, I would just take the second and uh, say also thank you, guys. Um, you're doing a massive job, not only um, for around at Germany, but also like I know we have a close relationship for streaming and stuff like that. But I highly appreciate that because at first I felt like this, you know, it could be kind of uh, uh, playing against each other. But I think we don't have that at all. And I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate all the love, all the work you put in, not only the streams, but also the YouTube channel, the Instagram and all the organization. And I know both of you guys are really full hearted in there. And I just want to take the second and say thank you for that and highly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I thank you. Yeah, been talking talking for for the board, so I can just give that back to to you, Topsy, and also Scott. Um, I think what we do on the German kind of level, that's something that you do on the European level. So yeah, just thank you as well. Okay, everybody hugs each other, and then we're gonna close. But yeah, <laughs> I, I I would like to to do a shout out to all the people listening around here because we are the four people who are often doing the work. For me, the, the best moments on tournaments are if there's a stranger coming to me who knows that I'm involved in somewhere or have seen me on the stream or whatever. And it's coming to me and it's telling me, hey, I know what you are doing. I know I love what you are doing. Thank you. That's everything. Those are the most humble moments for me as a tournament. So if you are out there 
and you see Scott or Tops or Amelie or whoever you you know is doing some voluntary work, just go to them, tell them for 10 seconds you appreciate the work and this will be the best part of the day for me and I think I'm also talking for you. Yeah, that's crazy. It's just a really, really good feeling if you have somebody you don't even know and it's just saying, hey, I know what you're doing. Thank you. It's just very good. It's a very good feeling. All right. <laughs> How good kisses all around, um, but <laughs> oh no, we uh, do really appreciate both of you guys joining. As the uh, audience aren't aware, we've been trying to get you guys on for a long time now, but time zones and other events, it's cool to find a good spot to record, but we do highly appreciate you guys coming on and sharing your insight because at, at the minimum, I know me and Tops have really enjoyed this conversation. It's been one we've been waiting for and looking forward to a lot of answers from you guys for a lot. So thank you again for, for joining us. Um, another uh, another uh, reminder to those listening, if you follow around at Germany on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, YouTube, Twitter, baby. Twitch. Twitch. Oh, Twitch. Facebook. Facebook. We, should we, have, we have a Facebook page, but we... It's... Okay. There's nothing posted. It's uh, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, and Twitch. There you go. Uh, give them a follow. Also, if you're a German uh, native or German is your mother tongue, or you're just looking to practice some of your German, uh, give a listen to the uh, the Rounded Germany podcast. Net, you have a is it a net catcher? Thank you. Tops pronounced so perfectly too. Uh, give that a listen. Um, and yeah, I think that is all for episode 19. For listening and joining. Bye bye. Thank you. And bye.